Hello and welcome to Beyond Markets by Julius Baer, a series featuring conversations with experts to share recent market developments, key insights and strategic inputs from around the globe. In each episode, we cut through the noise to bring practical advice and macro research on today's shifting economic and market landscape. Please listen to the important legal information at the end of this podcast. Welcome to the Beyond Market podcast by Julius Baer. I'm Tom Chen from Investment Advisory in Singapore. Today, we are going to talk about the China market, and I'm joined by Richard Tan, our China strategist and the head of Research Hong Kong. Hi, Richard. Hi, Tom. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sure most of us will agree that the volatility in the China-Hong Kong markets in the recent weeks is extreme and unprecedented. Well, I guess even Warren Buffett may not have seen this before in his investment career. It has been one week after the bullish commitment from China Vice Premier Liu He, and the Hansen Index has already gained 20% from the throw. The rebound is even stronger in Hansen Tech Index, which already had a 30% plus rally. But Richard, before I even ask you whether this rally has legs, can you explain why the China market was so weak prior to this rebound? Most investors are indeed disappointed to see that this year, well, at least so far in the first three months, seems to be another bad time for the Chinese equity market. As you said, the Hang Seng Index was down 30% year-to-date to a low a couple of weeks ago, and this is in addition to the 30% P2Trough decline we saw last year. The onshore Asian market has done relatively better, but not really that much better. There are also some really frustrating numbers for some of our investors. What's really going on here, Richard? As we will both agree, by hindsight, the market decline last year was driven by monetary tightening in the first half and then regulatory tightening in the second half. What about this year? What has really driven the sharp correction? Well, in January and February, the Chinese market declines were just following the souring global sentiment, so I would just blame it all on the Fed and the geopolitics. However, getting into March, when the US SEC named five Chinese companies for not complying with the accounting standards to remain listed in the US, that renewed market concerns over the delisting risk of these Chinese companies listed in the US, mostly in the form of American depository receipts or, in short, ADRs. But I must say, I'm a bit surprised how sharply shares have sold off, because I thought the delisting risk has been pretty well understood by now. Yeah, we are pretty surprised too. When we first published our report two years ago and told investors that most of these Chinese ADRs will eventually be delisted from the US, we got a lot of pushback. But now, most people we speak to have accepted that Chinese ADRs could be delisted as soon as early 2024 because it's unlikely these companies will be able to fulfill the U.S. regulatory requirements and obey Chinese laws at the same time. The U.S. regulators want the Chinese companies to disclose the audit working papers to them, but the Chinese law does not allow any companies to share such information outside of China. So the only way this dilemma can be solved is simply that the two sides work together for compromise. In the most recent week, it does look like things are moving in the right direction. Some news reports suggest that Chinese policymakers have asked some internet companies to prepare materials for the U.S. audit. Meanwhile, some internet companies also show more confidence to investors that 
they might actually be able to keep their U.S. listings. Well said, Richard. But still, there must be some other reasons that sent the index down ten percent over just two days. We believe there are two additional reasons. First, the ADR delisting fear has escalated to broader sanction fear among global investors, and second. There has been a lot of forced selling over a couple of days that exacerbated the price response. On my first point, the market started worrying about the sanction risk on China because, in a number of occasions, American policymakers and politicians have threatened to impose secondary sanctions if China helps Russia to get around the sanctions that the U.S. is imposing on it. But we think the market concerns may be overstated because, number one. U.S. has much stronger economic ties with China than Russia, so it is very likely that any sanctions on China may actually harm back the U.S. And number two, China will very likely retaliate, so the U.S. itself will face heavy economic costs too. We saw clear evidence of both arguments when former President Donald Trump imposed sanctions on China. That's fair enough, but I think market worries have also gone beyond sanctions. To specifically deglobalization of finance. Yes, and I can understand where you come from. Recently, some global investors were reportedly divesting some of their China positions. For example, the Norwegian sovereign wealth fund sold its position in a Chinese sportswear company because the fund believes it has human rights issue. On the other hand, the FT reported that the Australia's superannuation fund was reducing its position in Chinese equities. Due to its concern on common prosperity, we think it may still be early to conclude whether this is the beginning of the so-called deglobalization trend in finance. But this is a critical issue to monitor for sure, because global investors are estimated to be holding 2.4 trillion U.S. dollars in Chinese equities, in which 750 billion dollars are held by U.S. institutional investors alone. Wow. That's a lot of money, but then the constructive comments by Vice Premier Liu He turned around investor sentiment. I see some internet stocks went up twenty to thirty percent in a single day after his speech. Do you feel that investors have become bullish on China again? Liu's comments are indeed very constructive, and our understanding is that his speech has definitely triggered a lot of short coverings, which result in the price gains that we see. Now we do think that the Chinese equity market may have seen its trough, but we are yet to conclude whether this is already a new bull market. What prevents you from being more bullish? Um, oh, I will frame the question as what will get us more bullish. Now, if you're looking at what the vice premier has said, they are very constructive, as I mentioned. He said that Chinese policymakers should be proactive in rolling out policies that the market likes. He vowed to support the economy with more fiscal and monetary easing. He also mentioned that the Chinese government is supportive of Chinese companies going to list overseas. And regarding the Chinese property market, he promised to adopt strong and effective policies to mitigate risk with the developers. He also urged government officials to complete the rectification of internet platforms as soon as possible, and that indicates that the regulatory scrutiny may end soon. If all these promises materialize, we are very likely seeing a new bull market. That being said, we believe most investors will await more evidence that the policy direction is indeed turning before they are willing to chase the market higher. 
because the comments point to a remarkable change to the policy stance that we saw all along last year. Okay, so what should investors watch out for then? Right. For all the suggestions that the Vice Premier had, we think we will most likely see concrete actions along the line of physical and monetary easing. Investors will be keen to see more liquidity injections through open market operations and probably some cuts in either the required reserve ratio or the medium lending facility rate. We believe policymakers may also accelerate infrastructure investments in the first half of this year. How about property? Anything that we should expect? The property easing we've seen so far has been mostly on the local government level and in a small scale. Examples are local governments relaxing some home purchase restrictions or mortgage requirements. But so far, we have few policies on the central government level, except the guidelines on escrow accounts or the expansion of property tax pilot program being held off after the comments from the vice premier. Nevertheless, we believe private property developers will still need more easing to avoid credit defaults or simply restructuring. What do you think about the internet sectors? Are we seeing an end of these industrial regulations? We've been saying that the internet regulatory tightening should have seen its worst since late last year, so what Liu mentioned is not an entire surprise to us, although we've probably been a few months early to make this call by hindsight. Now, in any case, we do want to clarify that seeing the worst behind does not mean we're going to see a V-shaped recovery. This is because regulations that are already in place are unlikely to be reversed in our view. This means that the earnings growth potential for most internet stocks has become permanently lower. Not seeing more new regulations will definitely catalyze evaluation recovery, but we're probably not seeing earnings upgrades yet. Right. So you won't recommend investors to chase this rally? Put it this way, the internet sector is a heavy position in many China portfolios, so the existing positions will already benefit on the way up. From a longer-term investment perspective, you only want to add positions when you feel confident that the structural arguments are turning better. But as I mentioned, this is unlikely the case for China Internet. Rather, our recommendation is to take advantage of the current rebound to rebalance sector exposure away from Internet to the other structural themes. Previously, you said environment. Consumption and the high-end manufacturing were the next set of structural opportunities in China. Do you still feel confident on these three? Yes, we do. They remain our topics for structural themes. We understand that some investors have sold their stocks in renewables or even electric vehicles recently because the Chinese government seems to have stepped back from its aggressive green targets last year. But we see that as realistic adjustments in view of the economic challenges that China is going through. It doesn't change the long-term commitment to environmental protection of the Chinese government. For consumption, again, most stocks have really bad corrections because the local consumer sentiment in China has been adversely affected by the poor stock market, by the poor property market, and by the occasional lockdowns during the pandemic. However, we see early second half and late this year as a timing to reposition for the environment and consumption stocks respectively. For higher manufacturing, we think it will benefit from supportive policies going forward, and the sectors will include semiconductors, industrial technology, automation, robots, etc. Do note that most of these stocks are listed in A shares only, 
and there are very few names one can pick within the offshore China space. Thank you very much, Richard, for your thoughts on China's market and the sector allocation. Ladies and gentlemen, we have come to an end of the podcast today. On behalf of Julius Beer, we thank you for listening, and please stay tuned for our next episode on Beyond Markets. You have been listening to Beyond Markets by Julius Beer. If you like what you heard, subscribe to our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. To learn more about Julius Baer, our people, our latest thinking, visit us at www.juliusbaer.com. We will be back with a brand new episode soon. This is a podcast disclaimer. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. The podcast content is intended for information purposes only and does not constitute an offer, a recommendation or an invitation by or on behalf of Julius Baer to buy or sell any securities, security-based derivatives or other products or to participate in any particular trading strategy in any jurisdiction. Julius Baer does not accept liability for any loss arising from the use of the podcast content. Please refer to www.juliusbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further important legal information.